What's up, fantasy champions? Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SS Network, Thrive Fantasy will match up to fifty dollars of your first deposit. So go to ThriveFantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SS Network. That's ThriveFantasy.com promo code SS Network. the Golden Knights? Do you love the Los Angeles Chargers? Well then, my friends, you're in the right place. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show with your host, Jake the Snake Silver, brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network. Well, 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 folks. Well, we're back at it again for the second straight day on a Tuesday. It is the Snake Sports Talk Show. Wherever and however you may be watching and listening, we're live all over the social media platforms. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, and also on my Instagram that you guys can follow up, like, subscribe, and hit the bell button for all latest notifications on all future and past shows, and of course, also getting you up to dates on some of the latest news in sports. Boy, you know, I, it was actually beautiful here in the Vegas Valley. We're live in the 702 in Las Vegas, and there's nothing better like it than cooler temperatures, hot coffee with a little bit of some pumpkin spice. I, I love this time of year. <laughs> I love this time of year. What's going on, Anthony Brewski? What's going on? You know, I, I love seeing what I saw from the Rams this past week. That, that's going to be a team. They're, they are destined to win. I think they may be a team that could be representing the, the NFC, but we got so much to talk about here tonight. But um, happy Tuesday, everybody. You know, back, you know, back-to-back days. So there's a lot to really uncover and unfold. So let me start off. Uh, we're talking about last night's game between those birdies of Philadelphia and the Dallas Cowboys. How about those boys, huh? So um, it was kind of a huge stretch, first and foremost. Let me be honest and clear with what I had seen and what it all had happened and unfolded with, you know, the with the Cowboys. First of all, Dallas is a good football team. We can't mistake it, and we cannot deny it. But Dallas, as we know, is a team they hadn't even played and won against a team over 500. And that was dating all the way back to, I believe it was 2018, when they got that big-time finisher. 
And Dallas, let's point out a few things. Dak Prescott was coming off of a week where he was shut down. No touchdown passes and a pick. And he had about two touchdowns. And I believe he had thrown for almost close to about 260. And Dak, all he's doing is executing his role. That's the one thing when you look at all these quarterbacks in this league. Dak Prescott, to me, is nothing special. But it doesn't mean he cannot take put the team on his shoulders, make precise throws, know exactly where people are. He, he's not the, what I mean from special is, first of all, he does not have to have a strong arm and accuracy throws as Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and, and, and so much and so many more. And doesn't have the elusiveness like a Lamar Jackson. But Dak will still be able to win games with this franchise. He's built for this franchise alone. But all I regard too is just the way that this play style in this scheme is made from all ends, from Mike McCarthy to Kellen Moore and the rest of this coaching staff. By the way, let's give credit to Dan Quinn, former head coach, defensive coordinator for Dallas this year, and you're witnessing exactly what they're changed up about their personnel. I think, personally... Like, I've had my high odds on Micah Parsons being the defensive rookie of the year. Between him and Asante Samuel, that's a tough battle. But I believe Micah Parsons was a home run ball. The fact that this kid, if you watch him, he's got great field of vision, is able to be patient when he knows the run is coming. Philadelphia didn't even run the ball at all. There were so many opportunities and times where they could have ran the football, and they never did. So, but when Micah Parsons, in times like that where they needed a run defense, he executed. And he did that superb. Plus, he's also one with great field vision when it comes to the pass. A guy that's willing to stay back and also a guy that's willing to be a Mike linebacker to put in the rush. So I do believe that the Dallas Cowboys hit a home run the second they drafted Micah Parsons. The other, the other reason, outside of all of the corners and safeties, Trayvon Diggs, I knew what I was getting with him. He's another one that commands more of the backfield. But this is where the Dallas Cowboys, in times, if you watched the last couple of games so far before going into this one, I mean, they were battling against Tampa Bay, but couldn't get the job done. And look, don't even get me started about the Chargers. The Chargers lost that game more to themselves than the Cowboys actually wanted. Dak Prescott didn't have any pet, any passing touchdowns. But either way, it doesn't take away from the fact that the defense executed. That's one thing. But the other team put themselves in that position where they dug a hole for themselves. I'm not even going to count that. But the other part, you look at in division. Philadelphia is an absolute mess. And I talk more about Philadelphia's side from here. Is Jalen Hurts really their franchise quarterback? Last night didn't even look like it. The offensive line looked atrocious. So many penalties. 15 of them, if I recall. All holding. All false starts. There were so many things that were going wrong for Philadelphia that they couldn't even move the ball downfield. But they've got talented receivers like Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager. 
in the two tight end set between Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. But in order to get it to either one of those playmakers, you got to be able to get the football out there. But on top of all that, let's ask a serious question. Why is Miles Sanders not getting enough touches? That's a serious question. If you watched exactly how Dallas shifted all throughout their run defense, there were plenty of times where there were opportunities. But Philadelphia chose more to throw the ball. If I checked last time in the last few years, Philadelphia was built for speed. They were built for speed. Donovan McNabb was built for speed. Michael Vick was built for speed. And you want to go at least a little bit further? Carson Wentz was even built for speed. I know people don't even agree with that, but he was. And then here we are with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts ran a 4-4. You know, Jalen Hurts is a, is a fast quarterback. But they don't utilize a whole lot of his legs, but he looked stiff. And that's where I kind of look at it from the play-calling stand, standpoint. And so... If you got Miles Sanders and you don't give him enough touches, what is the point of even drafting him? I said it before. Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders, I feel like Miles Sanders is the most underrated running back, but can't look like that if he doesn't have enough touches. A kid that can catch in the, in the screen, a guy that can be able to run under any, certain, under any situation, but it feels like the ball is always taken out of his hands. Something Philadelphia has to completely clean up. But regarding to Dallas, I mean, it is a good team. Don't get me wrong. They've made a lot of adjustments. Dan Quinn looks like a guy that's really helping to save this defense because they know how suspect that they can get in the backfield. But with Trayvon Diggs, J. Ron Curse, they have a they have a bunch of options. And then there's Micah Parsons. So Dallas, until I actually see them play against a former playoff team, this is a good team, but can they be good enough to overlap against them? I'm not sure of that yet. That's a question that's still in that that's still in the air. But as far as for Philadelphia, they look like a mess. And honestly, this is what I've been talking about, about Philadelphia digging a hole for themselves for something that they should have never touched. You know, it's it's like it's like that reference that your friend or your family member always tells you, don't open that door. Do not open that door. Leave it closed. You watch that in movies, right? Or you ever watch that in scary movies where you end up going into a, 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 a scary house and they tell you, do not open that door. And then all of a sudden, all this bad stuff happens. Well, that's exactly what's happened to Philadelphia. They've opened up a door that they should have never done. Because that's what got Carson Wentz out of town. That's what got Doug Peterson out of town. That's what's making it look so awkward for Jeffrey Lurie and for Howie Roseman in that front office. Something they should have never touched. Now, you're looking at it in clear view. And they're trying all that they can to save their jobs. Right now, I know it's only three weeks and it's still early. But if they don't clean this up fast... And knowing how weak of a division that the NFC East is, then a lot of people are going to have a lot of pushback. I Again, this Nick Foles over Carson Wentz stuff is absolutely A-graded ridiculous. That was the most ridiculous debate should have never even been brought. Now, 
they're gone. They're both gone. So it's kind of a hard time, you know, especially for Philadelphia fans because of something that they overhyped after a Super Bowl, opened up a door they never should, they should have never been in this position. And now, as I've ended up getting reports, and you can also ask a, lo- a bunch of our Philly colleagues, uh, Key in the Building, who's in here as well for the Spotlight Sports Network, Mitch Kofsky, and, of course, Robert Lyle of the Philly Sports Talk. They'd agree with me. There was a ton of injuries now that were starting to come up, a ton of them. So it's not going to get any better with Philadelphia. It's unfortunate. All right. Um, I will tell you this. Because this next Sunday, a lot is on the line. And I think this is a fun one. Something that all of us as football fans have been waiting for for quite a while. But Sunday is a primetime game Sunday night. Tampa Bay Bucks, Tom Brady facing against his former team that he spent 20 years with is Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots in Foxborough. The game we've all been building up for is finally here. You know that that um that nosebleed seats are literally like close to 1500 just for that game alone. Why? It's Tom Brady, the TV12 brand coming back to Foxborough. No better than a revenge game against a team and here's the thing. That's the only team he has yet to beat in his career until he's beaten all 32 teams. He's beaten every single team except for New England. But all of the truths are going to unfold on Sunday night. They all are. This is architect versus builder. That's the way I look at it. People have in like people have visioned Bill Belichick being the um, the architect because he had the blueprints, he had all the, the the schematics, he had the whole entire coaching staff, he had the whole front office with him, and then there's the the one builder, the successor that was drafted at 199th, Tom Brady, who out of all of like out of all these adversities thrown, Tom Brady got the opportunity once Drew Bledsoe went down and took over this franchise, and the rest is history. Six Super Bowls later, there have been a ton of changes with New England. The front office has still remained the same. They still want it to remain the same um, franchise they've always been. They always have the same slogan, do your job. Tom, in 20 years, wanted change in the end, which all of us do. We work hard enough that we're devoted. We give our 110%, which Tom Brady always has. But the question is, is this something where it proves that Tom Brady was not respected? Or does it prove that Bill Belichick was just a smart coach? We'll never know until we see that on Sunday night, but it brews up beautifully. I think that's a football game that we all will remember in in the last in the next couple of years. But this is all just part of the stories of Tom Brady that's still being written in his own book. And again, it brewed up to it. Tom Brady, he he was he was cranky. He was done. 
he was getting old, brittle, cold. Like you, you can deal with cold weather after a while. You start to fill it in your bones. You start to fill it in your muscles. It gets aggravating. I hear it all the time. But then there's also a point where he had no wide receiver help. Why do you think he ended up pushing to get uh, Randy Moss? Why do you think he ended up pushing to get Antonio Brown? Why do you think he pushed to go and get Josh Gordon and a lot of players? Because they needed to have something special on the offensive weaponry. And on top of that, you're still going to get a top 10, top 15 offensive line. You're still going to get a top 10, top 15 uh, defensive side of the football. There's no change in that. But then the other part is the Jimmy Garoppolo trade where Tom was pissed at the second that, you know, the Patriots selected him, said, get him the hell out of town. And they did. Shipped him off to San Francisco. And then along with Jacoby Brissett to Indianapolis. Now you have the next quarterback in line in Mac Jones, who's coming off of a week who had one touchdown, three picks. Tough day against the Saints. And the only thing that this is going to prove, if Tom wins, he's the successor. He's the reason that New England made its history and ultimately deserved the respect and credit. But I think all of us as football fans already know that he already has it. This is just more icing on the cake. This is more of toppings. Because he's already built the cake batter. Like, he's already baked the cake the second that he won the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. It was all picture perfect. It was match made in heaven. But this game is going to prove all the truths of the questions that we've been asking for years. It's all going to come down to it on Sunday night, and I cannot wait for it. I cannot wait for it. Because honestly, I mean, it, it, this is going to prove everything. It, it, it's one of those things like it, you, come across, you come across cold cases, and I love this kind of stuff. My girlfriend and I and my, mo- and my mother, we always watched cold cases. You know, we always wanted to crack down on certain cases to find the unanswered truths. This is what we're going to get Sunday night. Bucks, Patriots, circle your calendars, folks, because this is going to leave everything on the line. Coming up next, um, baseball postseason's right around the corner. And 15 teams have already been eliminated. But there's three of them that overhyped, had a lot of expectation, and they could never succeed. They never succeeded this year. And I'm going to break down a lot of reasons why they were in this position that's up next. Next, you've also got, um, we've got our prime predictions as well for week four already early. And so um, you guys do not want to end up missing that here on the Steak Sports Talk Show. All right, so for all of our fantasy football competitors all out there far and wide that love to win cold, hard cash, also loves to have fun with your buddies and also lo- you know loves to be competitive, there's a place for that for you. Um, you can download it on the mobile device on your uh, Google play in the app store and also go online to sign up. It's thrivefantasy.com. Yes. Thrivefantasy.com has hundreds of different pool plays that you could choose from. And there's millions of different ways to win. 
If you sign up today using promo code SS Network and depositing your $20 in your first play, Thrive Fantasy will gift you with a $50 match make where you get more time, more ways to win, more ways to have fun and be competitive. There's a lot of stuff happening. NFL season's cooking. It, it, I mean, all these picks are hot right now. And then also, we don't want to forget about all of our diehard gamers out there when it comes to esports. They have that as well. So go to thrivefantasy.com, sign yourselves up using promo code SS Network. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SS Network.
Well, you know, there is nothing like getting yourselves geared up with all the latest stuff on the SpotlightSportsNetwork.com merchandise section powered by Spreadshirt. Hats, hoodies, t-shirts, accessories, and more. When you go online to SpotlightSportsNetwork.com merchandise section powered by Spreadshirt. So um, postseason baseball is right around the corner. And people that know me, I love this time of year. I really do. I've been born and raised as a diehard baseball fan. Love watching baseball. I played the game myself. And there's nothing like postseason baseball. And we've already got the first 15 teams that are already eliminated from postseason contention. So that includes... The Diamondbacks, the Orioles, the Cubs, the Indians, the Rockies, the Tigers, the Royals, the Angels, the Marlins, the Twins, the Mets, the Pirates, Padres, uh, the Rangers, and the Washington Nationals. So, So what's different about this? So out of all the 15 that are eliminated now, and there still are a couple of teams that are fighting their ways in to get into the postseason, eight teams that you and I already know are either way down below average or they're rebuilding teams. That's the Diamondbacks, Orioles, Cubs, um, the Rockies, the Marlins, and the and the Rangers, and the and also the Pirates. But the couple of teams that have been off and on, that's usually the Twins and the Indians. And... I guess you can kind of say the Washington Nationals you can add into this mix. Then there's the two teams. Oh, and I can also say the Rockies have underachieved themselves. They still held on to Trevor Story, never made a trade, never made a deal, wasn't able to get picks. But then there's the other two where I can say they're competitive to an extent but they're not quite all the way there yet, but they're building it up. That's the Tigers and the Royals. The Tigers have A.J. Hinch as a manager, and I said this before. It's not going to happen right away, but let this puppy cook for two, three years. This will be a better team because the question, because the one thing we're paying attention to is what's going to happen to Miguel Cabrera and when are we going to see Spencer Torkelson? Because I've been watching this kid in AAA Toledo, and he's been tearing it up. He's been a really, really good draft pick for them, a guy that adds pop and power, and is a guy that also is really good defensively at first. And then Kansas City, where Salvador Perez is having a hell of a year as a catcher. Like, you could not have put this down any better. It's making his MVP case worthy. But they have a couple of really nice pieces. Andrew Benatendi, they have a couple of them. But there's three teams that everybody hyped up about all season long. And they underachieved. And people are kind of going, how's that possible? Why? Well, those three teams are the LA Angels of Anaheim, the New York Mets, and the San Diego Padres. All of them that people ha- that fans have hyped up for all season long, all of them underachieved. Why did that happen? Because what do the Angels, Mets, and Padres have in common? First of all, 
Look at each other's lineups. They all have all-stars. Mike Trout, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Francisco Lindor. Okay, they all have all-stars. They also have, um, like, they also have, you know, um, what do you call it? Um, Like in movies, they always have, like, co-actors. Shoei Itani, Manny Machado, and Jacob deGrom. The only thing that all three of these teams lack is stability. They have none right now. And you could and and we have one person who covers up on the Mets. There's a former is a former baseball player, um, Jeff Hammerham, and you can look at him in Hammer's house on the Spotlight Sports Network. The one thing of it is is that they lack stability. Why is that? I've said this several times about the Angels. I'll start with them first. Because the Angels have barely a pitching staff outside of Shohei Otani. They lucked out on Steven Strasburg. They lucked out on Garrett Cole. They lucked out on Madison Bumgarner. And they lucked out on a bunch of arms just to settle for Julio Tehran and Dylan Bundy. Really? Guys that haven't even crossed the threshold of being true aces. And then, of course, you have a bunch of young kids in the bullpen that that that, that pitching staff hasn't cooked yet. But no, we'll go ahead and we'll pay more money to guys like Anthony Rendon. We'll pay more money to guys, you know, uh, we really don't need in our lineup. And that's exactly what has been the downfall of the Angels. And I'll explain a little bit about that, but let me shift more into the San Diego Padres. <laughs> oh, you got to love those Padres, right? You got to love those Friars. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Fernando Tatis Jr. I do believe he's the future of this uh, of this league. He's electrifying, a kid with a great personality. He's coachable, and he's and he's aggressive. Aggressive on the base pads and is a guy that's aggressive at hitting. There is nothing they could take away from that. But look at the history of this franchise. San Diego hasn't even been to a World Series since 1999. Okay. And on top of that, you're talking about two greats the late great Tony Gwynn, and then by far one of the top best closers, Trevor Hoffman. Add in their Ken Caminiti. There was that was a dynamic team in the NL that year, but since then they dropped. They have dropped massively. They've had a bunch of talents: Chris Young, Kevin Kuzminov, uh, Chase Headley. There were several pieces that the San Diego Padres had, even Adrian Gonzalez. And then they took the turn for the worst. Had a bunch of young kids, a bunch of no neighbors until things started to change. More money started to pile up. And they get Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., Will Myers, um, Eric Hosmer, Tony, Tommy Pham, and a bunch of others. But they lacked stability when it came to their bullpen, their rotation. Okay, you Darvish is a good pickup. He's not a great one. Blake Snell, really good pickup. Had a little bit of an off year, but I think we'll rebound by next year. But the rest of them, 
who do you really trust? There's not really a stability. And to be honest, you spend almost close to a billion dollars on a on a whole infield, which makes no sense. So you overspend. And this is what happens when you don't have a cap role in baseball. Then there's the New York Mets. Mets are changing. Since 2015 of the World Series, they've changed a lot of things. And they've been dying to be a, a competitive team and to get into the postseason and be a threat in the postseason again. And they have tons of talented players. Pete Alonso, uh, Jacob deGrom, Francisco Lindor, um, Noah Syndergaard, and Marcus Stroman. They have a bunch of really good players. They even have key role players, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo. What's the deal? Their bullpen sacrifices a whole lot, which is bad. And there's no stability on the lineup at all. They're shifting so many different positions. And from what I'm being told, that Michael Conforto's agent wants to give Michael Conforto high-priced money. He's not worth that. You might as well cut the cord before you even sacrifice all this money. But the Mets have no stability. All three of these teams have no stability. None. Why do you think all of us as fans question every year why Mike Trout does not have a uh, does not have a ring? He does not have a championship because of moves like that. It's disappointing. Oh, and by the way, did I also forget to mention Shohei Otani was actually asked this question about his future with the Angels, and he said, "Quote: I really like the team. I love the fans and the atmosphere as a team." But more than that, I want to win. That's the biggest thing for me. I'll leave it at that. If that does not ring a bell for the Angels or for any team, I don't know what does. But that, if you are the Angels, you better listen to it very, very closely. Look at all the other teams in the rest of the league. The Brewers, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, uh, the, 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 the Astros, the Yankees, the White Sox. What do all these teams have up in common? First of all, you could say what you want to about the Yankees, but the Yankees are getting healthier. They're getting majority of their starters back. And at the same time, they're clicking offensively. Pitching starting to hold things down, even though they, they may give up some certain, you know, some runs here and there. But they've gotten better. The other part of it is the Houston Astros, as much as we all have our words for them, I'm not going to throw it on this network. <laughs> but they have stability. Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve. Somehow, some way, this pitching staff started to click. Why not talk about the Tampa Bay Rays? If any of these teams want to talk about stability in the pitching staff, go ask the Rays. Because the Rays are already in control of the AL East. And they've always, year after year after year, somebody's got to give the pitching coach an award every year because that's what he's been able to do so well. They're a tough pitching staff. They get out of certain situations and they trust their arms. They trust every single one of their arms that come out there. The Dodgers are so expendable. They, they, they call up a young kid from AAA and he's already an, uh, a, a successor. 
They went and got aggressive and got Max Scherzer in a trade in the trade deadline. They didn't need Trey Turner, <laughs> but they threw him in anyway. They got aggressive. And then the San Francisco Giants, people are asking, how did the Giants get into the postseason? One person, Buster Posey. He takes a year off last year and then comes in 110% healthy, and he is lethal. He's the reason that the pitching staff pitches so good because catchers make great play callers. They're like quarterbacks. If you don't have a valuable catcher behind the plate calling the shots for every single one of the pitching staffs to follow, you're not going to do well. You're going to leave a lot of different pitches over the plate, and it's going to hurt your team. And Buster Posey in San Francisco, they've been able to get Chris Bryant on the trade deadline. The offense is really good with Evan Longoria, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, and Posey in the middle of the mix. That's why they got competitive. What about St. Louis? St. Louis started to click because they got a young outfielder. They got young outfielders, Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill. They got Tommy Edmond, who I think is really, really underrated and good. And Nolan Arenado is a freak at third base. Plus, let's not forget about Paul Goldschmidt. But all together, the veteran experience with Yadier Molina. That's why they're all competitive teams. The Angels, the Mets, and the Padres need to bust out their books and figure out how do we get how do we become a stable franchise. Take notes. That's the way you do it. Paying for things that are unnecessary and not looking and paying attention to detail. The difference for the Mets is this is a year's worth plan. They have a brand new owner who's not afraid to, to pay for money. You know, he's not afraid to spend money. And then, you know, once he once they got Javier Baez in the trade deadline, Francisco Lindor started to hit well, but it's kind of a little too late. So that's where you kind of have to look at all these franchises. And the Angels, I promise you, the day that if they lose Shohei Otani, there goes Mike Trout. He'll be out the door. A snake-bidden organization that hasn't been able to overcome the struggles. They're more of that overhyping team. But that's where most of these players deserve better. And for the San Diego Padres, come back to me when you overlap the Giants and the Dodgers in your own division. You'll always be looked at as a, as a third-place team in the NL West. All this hype, all of this winning games, acting like you won the World Series. It's not going to cut it. I'm sorry. But listen, I I was born like this. I was born to have zero filter. I speak what's on my mind. That's what's so unique about this show. Because I uncover all these truths. And I tell it as it is. But that's where you got to be better as a team. There's no excuses. I've seen this all before. Lots of teams have gone through these struggles, but they've come out on top. Ask these teams that are going into the postseason this year, and I guarantee you, you'll learn a thing or two why those teams made it into the postseason and why I think there's going to be a couple of them that are going to be threats in the postseason. Time for the hot press. So word is in Detroit... Um, looks like that the Detroit Lions were trying to shop around for veteran linebacker Jamie Collins 
But unfortunately, because of how the market has kind of thinned out, the Detroit Lions had announced today that they have released the veteran linebacker today. Nine-year veteran, um, nine-year veteran who was making a fully guaranteed $8.8 million from Detroit this year, including a $5 million bonus and a $3.8 million salary. So the one-time pro bowler racked up about 10 tackles with one for a loss and a fumble recovery and back-to-back defeats of San Francisco and Green Bay this season. Uh, Dan Campbell said last, last week that he felt it was time for a reduced role for Collins and play more of the younger members on the roster. Um, I think it's tough. I mean, you got a nine-year veteran who's got a lot of this experience. I'm sure there's going to be a couple of teams that are going to be exploring options to try to beef up experiences in the linebacker position. But I do think Jamie Collins is a good player. I mean, he's you may get maybe two years left of what he's what he's left what he's worth. And then afterwards, then you could start to look for something younger. But, you know, like I said, Detroit, they're trying to look for something new. They've already came off of they're they're already 0-3. And a team that they're just they're they're getting closer and closer. And they got Chicago next week. They got Chicago up and coming this next Sunday. And, um, you know, th- th- this is where I'm just like, whatever Detroit is going to end up doing, hopefully they'll make it better for their franchise. So, um, by the way, uh, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, which of course, here in Vegas, where I'm at, um, unveiled the UFC's uh, heavy uh, light heavyweight fighter, John Jones, on the violent violence related um, domestic violence related arrest, said that John Jones was on emotional roller coaster during that. So they said that the UFC fighter had allegedly pulled a woman's hair and headbutt headbutted a police car hours after one of his fights was inducted into the Hall of Fame last week. So um, the arrest was reported today that the layouts of the sequence of the events that led to Jones being arrested Friday morning was on two charges, injuring or tampering with a vehicle, a felony, and a misdemeanor battery domestic violence. Uh, Jones was released Friday evening on an eight grand bail and is due back in court on October 26th. So that'll be um, next month. So this could be serious. But as I've said to people before, like I don't tolerate this type of I don't tolerate these type of actions whatsoever. Absolutely not, especially when it's a woman in involved. I don't care what it may be. But one, we all knew about John Jones first off because of all the years we've watched him. Still a talented fighter, do not get me wrong, but this is kind of getting out of hand and it's got to stop. Sometimes there are things where you just have to say enough is enough and things have got to stop. But for John Jones, this is where I hope that he sees the better after all of this, because this is getting ridiculous. And so um, my biggest thing about this is this could hurt his reputation in many, in many ways. If it hasn't already, I mean, ultimately talented fighter, could be much better had he not been had he not been in these situations.
So, uh, like I was mentioning earlier uh, about the the all these baseball teams here in order. Um, so it looks like the LA Angels of Anaheim uh, manager Joe Madden said that Shohei Otani didn't mean he wants to leave the team. So Joe Madden said today that in the comments this past weekend about wanting to win doesn't mean the two-way star wants to leave the organization when he becomes a free agent after 2023. So, of course, he's in the front running of MVP with 45 home runs and a 3.818 ERA. Um, he said even though that he likes it, he likes the, the organization and the fans, but priority is winning. Um, Madden said, we all feel the same way. We all want to win. If anybody misconstrues that as though he wants to leave, that's trying to connect some dots that weren't necessarily what he, not at all, um, what he said. So, again, nobody's trying to tamper on the idea that he may want to leave the Angels. But this should be a wake-up call, regardless of it. This is why that I said that the, for the longest time, the LA Angels of Anaheim have just been the the unfortunate franchise. They really have been. So this is where they really have to show for itself. There's no time for other explanations. There is no time for, um, for all this stuff. There seriously isn't. So to me, I'm just like, Shoei Otani wants to win. Bottom line, that's what he wants. He wants to win. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So stop fooling around and get better with some of your choices in free agency. Otherwise, it's not going to pan out well. So hopefully there'll be some changes, but we'll never know until we see what happens by next year. And he's a free agent by 2023. All right, that was the hot press. Coming up next, my best for last as always, which never ceases to fail. My prime predictions for week four are coming up, and I've got, and I am like, I'm jammed back. I'm red hot for all of these picks, and I can't wait to share, share it with all of you guys. So definitely do not miss that here on the last bit of the Snake Sports Talk Show. So, uh, like I said before, you guys love the show. You guys also love supporting the network as well. Well, you can definitely support the network even more by going online to SpotlightSportsNetwork.com and go onto the merchandise section and get yourself some merchandise today. Hats, hoodies, t-shirts, accessories, and so much more. Repping for your favorite network here and also repping for your favorite show of the network. So go to do SpotlightSportsNetwork.com under merchandise section and all that is powered by Spreadshirt.
What's up, fantasy champions? Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SS Network, Thrive Fantasy will match up to $50 of your first deposit. So go to ThriveFantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SS Network. That's ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SS Network. All righty, folks. Well, first and foremost, I do want to thank every single one of you guys for joining in and tuning in with me here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. It's always been a lot of fun. And uh, like always, always got to close out the show in style. So um, best for last, as usual, Brian Predictions Week 4. These things are literally baking like hotcakes right now. And Brian predictions actually has not failed only about, you know, the last couple of bits, it's actually gotten better. It's gotten, it's heating up. I'm telling you guys, I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So, um, without further ado, my favorite as usual, prime predictions. And here we go. Let's turn it up. It's Jake's prime predictions. Jaguars at Bengals. All right, I'm going to take the Bengals at minus seven and a half here in this game on Thursday night. That's the first thing that's going to be kicking off. Listen, outside of what we know of both these rebuilding franchises from Jacksonville and Cincinnati, Joe Burrow looks very, very comfortable in this position. And by the way, these two, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, have not met each other in a while since when? Oh, since Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers won the national championship against Clemson. So in the last bit for the Jacksonville Jaguars, which we know they're a rebuilding franchise, first of all, they've coughed up the football way too many times. Trevor Lawrence right now leads the NFL in giveaways, and they're still trying to figure out their identity. They're still trying to clean things up. This is not something that happens overnight. But Joe Burrow, to a lot of his wide receivers, T. Higgins, um, Jamar Chase, and, of course, Joe Mixon in the middle of it, this offense has been really good. And the defense, by the way, has actually reshaped itself, and it's kind of looking pretty, looking better. So I'm going to take Cincinnati at minus 7.5 on Thursday night, and we'll go with a score 28-21. Washington at Falcons. All right, so I'm going to take the Washington football team on the road against the Atlanta Falcons in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Listen, what is the difference right now with both these teams? There's one team that could button themselves up and could put their foot down and they're disciplined. The other, they've given up a whole lot of points to a lot of teams. And by the way, they pulled off a stunning win against the New York Giants, that's the Atlanta Falcons. But regardless of that, this is a team that needs to get better on a lot of different executions. And outside of all that, when I look at Washington, Taylor Heineke is not that bad of a quarterback. He's actually started to complete a lot of his throws and somebody that likes to utilize a whole lot of the field. It's not a sexy look for their offensive scheme, but it works. And Washington, they've got a couple of different offensive personnels that is willing to stop at all costs to shutting down opponents' points. 
I'm going to take Washington on the road in Atlanta. And my final score will be 27-23. Washington gets it done on the road. Texans at Bills. I'm going to take the Bills here at minus 16 and a, and a half. Uh, the Houston Texans. Uh, listen, folks. People thought that Buffalo was not going to end up clicking and they weren't going to gel on offense. Well, they fooled you. Okay, after shutting out the Miami Dolphins and then, of course, absolutely boat racing the last team they faced this past week, Buffalo's offense is clicking. And even outside of the runs of Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, you know Josh Allen is willing to put the ball in the air and the Bills are willing to put up points any way that they can. I'm putting, I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. This looks to me, it's not going to be such a simple win, but it's going to be a fun one being up in the cold. 35-17, minus 16 and a half. I'll take it. Lions at Bears. This is going to be a risky game for sure, but I'm taking the Detroit Lions on the road against the Chicago Bears. Look, folks, I don't know what's happening in Chicago, but it's an absolute madhouse right now. And if you actually think about it, about the Detroit Lions, they've been getting closer and closer to winning games. They really have. They led at half. Against the, against the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And they've also got themselves very, very close against the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson before that field goal kick. So Detroit kind of has something up in place. They're a lot more organized than I feel like the, the, the Chicago Bears are. And putting Justin Fields in the position where the offensive line is old, it's slow, they cannot provide protection let alone actually run with Justin Fields. So it's kind of sad and disappointing. So I'm going to take the Detroit Lions at plus three. That's all I need up on it. Cover up the points, and we'll go with the 24-21. Detroit Lions just embarrass the Chicago Bears. But I'm telling you, something's going to happen in, in Chicago in the next in the next couple days. But I feel like there's going to be some firings if they can't figure this thing out. Panthers at Cowboys. I'm going to take the uh, Carolina Panthers, who have been on an absolute hot streak so far at 3-0 and against the team in Dallas. They're only 2-1 and for the moment, but this is the tough part from here. Here's what's interesting. Dallas has been facing against rush defenses that have not been solid. Tampa Bay gave up a bunch of rushes to Zeke and to Tony Pollard. The Chargers gave up a, a whole lot of yards to Tony Bollard and Zeke. And the Philadelphia Eagles did the same thing. The Carolina Panthers on that front seven with Derek Brown and company have barely given up a whole lot of yards. They haven't given up over, over 100 rushing yards to any one of the running backs they faced in the last couple of weeks. Now, the downside is they're without Christian McCaffrey. So that means they're going to go with Chuba Hubbard. And they're also going to go with Royce Freeman. But other than that, Sam Darnold is still able to spread the football around for DJ Moore and company. I'm going to take the Panthers at plus five. But for Dallas, they need to button themselves up. But I do expect Dan Quinn's going to come into this game ready to roll. Micah Parsons and, and, um, and Trayvon Diggs, they'll be prepared for the game. It's not going to be this easy. Dallas is still going to be managing to get points up on the board. So I'll go with a 28-23, five points, guaranteeable on the road. Colts at Dolphins. I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins here in this one because they needed a win 
after what happened last week on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Colts right now are just in a position where this has been a rocky start for them in the first three weeks. You got Carson Wentz playing with hurt ankles, hurt feet, and on top of it, Quinn Nelson, he's out. There's been a lot of things happening in Indianapolis that has not looked good, and Frank Reich has to clean this up. By the way, Miami's without Tua, and Jacoby Brissett actually kind of put a lot of pieces into play where Miami probably could have won that game against the against the Raiders. But Brian Flores loves to utilize a lot of defensive schematics and likes to be able to cover up a lot of different grounds on the field. I think Miami at home seems to me like they'll be back in a position where they'll be better than they were in the last couple of weeks. I'm going to take the Dolphins to win strong here at home, 24-20 to 20 over the Colts. Browns at Vikings. I'm going to take these Cleveland Browns here at minus two. And uh, listen, that's cute and all that Kirk Cousins ended up getting a big-time win after turning the tables against the Seattle Seahawks, but not against Cleveland right now that they are trying to end up figuring some things out on defense, but they pushed around a Chicago offense that just was not buttoned up and prepared. Miles Garrett, he's been looking like a sack machine. And so to me, I think Cleveland is going to have a really, really good day against Minnesota, who they're still trying to figure out some things on the offensive line, but I love Minnesota's offense as far as their weapons, but it'll be interesting to see how Kirk Cousins comes back after this win. I think it's going to be a close one, but still minus two is a pretty good edge on the numbers. I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns to win 27-24 on the road in Minneapolis. Giants at Saints. All right, so the New York Giants were an absolute gigantic letdown after losing to the Atlanta Falcons, and this has just been a storyline that's been going on. I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints minus 7.5. By the way, um, the Saints last week against New England in Foxborough was not an easy win, but that was a statement win right there because that means they don't have to be overly reliant on, jo on Jameis Winston to bail them out in game. They have a tough defense. They got Mal uh, Malcolm Jenkins and they've got uh, Marshawn Lattimore. They even have Cameron Jordan all there on the fronts and all in the secondaries. And that team actually came up Big-time turnovers against the Patriots this past week. Like, Matt, they put Mac Jones under a lot of duress and was only one touchdown, three picks. The Giants and Daniel Jones has been under so much duress all throughout this season and facing up against tough defenses. I don't think he's going to favor well against the Saints on the road. I'm going to take New Orleans to win comfortably. They're in a neutral area, but they're still going to be the home team winning it. I'm going to take them to win. 28 to 20 in that neutral site. Good for the hometown crowd. Titans at Jets. I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans to win here on the road against the New York Jets. The Jets, like the Giants, they're just nothing's going their way. It's going terribly right now. But by the way, the Tennessee Titans pulled off a big time, you know, they, they pulled off a big time stunner. That happens when you actually get the Titans in good field position. And Derrick Henry against this rebuilding Jets defense, expect him to just plow through everybody. And by the way, this is, I think it could be a really good field day 
for uh, Julio Jones and for Ryan Tannehill. Um, interesting to see exactly how this Titans offense will really favor. I'm going to take them to win 30 to 20 on the road at minus seven and a half against that rebuilding Jets uh, Jets team. Chiefs at Eagles. I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs on the road after a huge um, upset loss against the LA Chargers the past weekend in Arrowhead. They're pissed off. But here's the good news. That offense against this like injury-prone defense, it's going to be no problem for Patrick Mahomes. In the cold in Philadelphia, the problem with the Eagles, they've had 15 penalties in Monday night's game against the Cowboys. Absolutely atrocious. And a team that gave up 42 points on that whole side of that field. So the defense right now is banged up. A perfect opportunity for Kansas City to rebound themselves. I'm going to take it a fair score, 28-20. to I think Kansas City is probably going to have a big-time field day with Mahomes and company and expect Travis Kelsey to just plow through on that defense. Cardinals at Rams. So this is a tough one, a big-time battle for the NFC West lead, but I'm going to take the L.A. Rams comfortably at home at minus six. First of all, Matthew Stafford was able to beat the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was a huge win. And by the way, since Stafford has been a part of this Rams team, he's already thrown nine touchdown passes in three weeks. And he's comfortable in SoFi. It's tough to get the Rams outside of SoFi and outside of Los Angeles because they're just comfortable in that in that stadium. So this will be a tough one, but an exciting one that I really can't wait to watch. I think Arizona, it's going to come down to a close wire on who wants it more in that division. But I do think the Rams are going to come out on top. They're comfortable at home. They love to win at home. They got a good home record to start with this year. I'm going to take the Rams to win at minus six. 28-21 is my final score. Rams approved to 4-0. Seahawks at 49ers. I don't know what happened to Seattle last week after they were up 17-7 and they just <laughs> they let Minnesota walk all over them. There's a problem on defense and there's a problem on offense. But a team that likes to be physical, that I think also too, has they've got their number. And I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers at minus two and a half. This 49ers team is still up at home. They're coming off of that big loss against the Green Bay Packers with 37 seconds left. You can trust Aaron Rodgers to get him downfield. But that was the magical moment for Jimmy Garoppolo in the amount of minutes he had left in the game. So I thought it was close, big time loss. But San Francisco is going to capitalize out of that loss. I'm going to take them to win 27-23, but I don't know what's happening with Seattle, but they better figure it out sooner. It doesn't seem like they're, they're, they're really that disciplined right now, and the offense just kind of looks slow right now. Ravens at Broncos. I'm going to take, this may be crazy for everybody, but I'm going to take Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens at plus one and a half in Denver Mile High. Listen, folks. Let's not get cute about the Denver Broncos defense right now. It looks good. It looks tough. But look at the last three outings. The Giants, the Jets, the Jaguars, they're all rebuilding franchises. They have not faced against a competitive team just yet. They still have yet to face against the Raiders. They still have yet to face against the Chiefs and the Chargers on their own division. 
But they're taking the next step against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, who, by the way, Lamar Jackson knows how to figure out to win games. So it's been a plus side for them for Baltimore. But I do think Lamar Jackson and his elusiveness is going to find a way to get the defense out of their rhythm. So we'll figure that out, how legit this Denver defense is and how the rest of the team, because K.J. Hamler's out for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. And they're also losing Jerry Judy. They're losing Brandon Chubb. So there's going to be a lot of things exposed for Denver, but let's see if they can hold it down. I'm going to take Baltimore plus one and a half. Close game in mile high because it's not that easy to win here. 24-23. Steelers at Packers. I'm going to take Green Bay over the old and brittle Ben uh, in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, Aaron Rodgers out of a big-time win against San Francisco, he looked happy. And that's exactly what you would love to see as Packers fans is Aaron Rodgers be happy in the comfortable position he's at. By the way, him and Devontae Adams, there's no stopping that offense. That defense right now looks really banged up, looks tired. But you have to imagine that with an offense that can't really get anything generated downfield. I love Chase Claypool, and I do love a couple of their positional players. But Big Ben is just old. And if you think about it, Green Bay's defense, Jair Alexander, and of course Stokes, the rookie, he's not going to have anybody to throw to, and he's going to have a lot of mistakes in the middle of this game. So I'm going to take Green Bay to win comfortably in Lambeau against Pittsburgh, minus 6.5, 30-20. Pack gets it done in Lambeau. Buccaneers at Patriots. So this is the big game that all of us – have been waiting to see Tom Brady, TB. Oh, of course, for Tampa Bay. They're on the road, and Tom Brady is returning to Foxborough to face off against his former team, the last team that he needs a victory in. I do think they can pull it off at minus six and a half. Listen, this defense does not look in sync yet, but these were the first three weeks. I think Todd Bowles... One, he's not a terrible coordinator, not a terrible coach. But he's going to figure some things out that's going to make Tampa Bay better. And you have to think about it. New England has a rookie quarterback that had one touchdown and three picks. He was under a, a bunch of duress. But he is a smart quarterback. There were a couple of gists of some throws that we've seen. But the Buccaneers, their defense is going to start to rally back up. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay to win. Tom Brady gets his revenge. And... He'll officially be the one quarterback who's beat all 32 teams on prime time on a Sunday night. Tampa Bay wins 28-17, minus 6.5. I'm going to take the points. Raiders at Chargers. All right, I'm going to take the L.A. Chargers, who are just young, they're hungry, and they're coming off of a massive win against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to take them at minus 3.5. Uh, listen. I know what a lot of people are going to say about, well, what about the Raiders? They're 3-0. and Listen, I know that they've been tough at fighting and winning close games. But you have to look, about, look at exactly what's happening with late in games. Why are these games getting so close? And why are they almost forcing into overtime? They did this against Baltimore. They did this last week against Miami, which was so close, and they won by a field goal margin. But I just do think that the Raiders at times 
has conservative play calling. I've been saying this over and over and over again. I do like what the Raiders have done in their defensive front, and also they've gotten better on their secondaries. But this is going to be a tough Monday night primetime game that I can't wait to watch either. And we're going to have a huge roundtable on the Spotlight Sports Network between myself, Spotlight Raiders Talk, Hammer's House, uh, Raider J77, and so much more. You guys do not want to end up missing that. But I'm going to take the young and hungry team that's ready to win, and that's going to be the Chargers winning 28-24 in SoFi on primetime night. I just think that the Raiders, they're going to come to a point where if they get conservative again, that's not how you're going to beat tough-end teams that want to be aggressive, that want to play in the same level of urgency and aggression as the Chargers do. So there you go. There's my prime predictions for all of you guys. There's a couple of underdogs that I'm taking. So I'm taking altogether the favored Bengals, Washington, Bills, underdog Lions, underdog Panthers, Favored Dolphins, Browns, Saints, Titans, Chiefs, Rams, 49ers, the underdog Ravens, who I'm very confident that they're going to end up pulling off that win against Denver. And of course, the favored Packers, Buccaneers, and Chargers. I mean, these are these are really, really good aggressive teams. These are really, really good aggressive picks. But you know me. I like to be aggressive when it comes to prime predictions. That's going to do it for me, folks. Thank you so much for watching here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Have a great week. Have a great night. And have a great weekend. I know I'm going to be traveling out uh, to go and camping this weekend. Refresh my mind. But I cannot wait for Monday Night Football where I'm going to be glued on to that television watching those Raiders taking on the LA Chargers in SoFi Stadium. Have a great night. And we'll see you guys next week and next Monday on the next episode of the Snake Sports Talk Show. Take care. <laughs>